People care about their car buying journey. Provide your customers with an unparalleled chat and digital retailing experience with Goobagoo. Whether your customers are online or in-store, Goobagoo is there. See the magic at Goobagoo.com. That's G-U-B-A-G-O-O.com. Welcome to Daily Drive. For Tuesday, January 31st, 2023, I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Jake Neer, in for Kellen Walker. Today on the show, GM plans to cut $2 billion in costs after record earnings in 2022. Those EV price wars we talked about yesterday? VW is sitting them out. And Toyota sharpens its argument against the EV-only crowd. Plus, we'll hear Jamie's conversation with Group One CEO Daryl Kenningham from the Automotive News Retail Forum, NADA, in Dallas. Now, the last couple of years, everything is great because the grosses are high and we all think we're geniuses and we're brilliant, right? But <laughs> we're not, you know? I mean, the day is coming where that stuff's going to come out. We're going to get back to how do we manage this business at a five and a half point margin. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. General Motors says it will make $2 billion in cost cuts over the next two years. It will do so partly by reducing the size of its workforce, though it's not planning any layoffs. GM announced the plan today after posting fourth quarter net income of $2 billion. That's a 15% increase, and it brings the full year total to $9.9 billion, almost 10. That equates to a record-adjusted pre-tax profit for the year of $14.5 billion as vehicle sales and supply constraints improved. North American operating profits for the year rose 26% to almost $13 billion, leading to record-high UAW profit-sharing checks, averaging $12,750. As supply picks up, prices across the industry are falling, and General Motors expects to generate similar or slightly lower earnings in 2023. To protect the bottom line from those smaller margins, CFO Paul Jacobson told reporters that GM intends to cut costs in its automotive business by $2 billion through 2024, with 30 to 50 percent of those savings expected this year. In the fourth quarter, GM finished strong. Revenue surged 28 percent to over $43 billion. Adjusted earnings before interest and taxes in the quarter rose 34 percent to $3.8 billion. Yesterday, we told you that Ford is following Tesla's big price reductions by cutting the cost of its own Mustang Mach-E crossover. Well, it looks like Volkswagen wants no part of an EV price war. CEO Oliver Bloom told a German newspaper that VW has no plans to offer discounts for its electric vehicles to counter price cuts by Tesla. Bloom said VW wants to be a global leader in EVs, but wants to achieve that goal through profitable growth. Toyota has come under fire for what critics call foot-dragging on pure electric vehicles. Now the world's biggest automaker is fighting back with its most robust retort. Its message to those who say EVs are the only way forward in the global battle to cap carbon dioxide emissions? Science says you're wrong. Toyota is rolling out new facts and figures to back its strategy of taking a multi-pronged approach, blending EVs with hybrids and other green technologies. The automaker's chief scientist, Gil Pratt, recently made that pitch in a presentation at the World Economic Forum in Davos. Part of the reason that we have these diverse options that we like is that that diversity is the solution to uncertainty. 
Toyota plans to sell some 5.5 million standard and plug-in hybrids a year by 2030. That's more than double last year's total of about 2.6 million, which is not to say that Toyota is anti-EV. It's pouring tens of billions of dollars into EVs and expects to sell 3.5 million of them in 2030. And U.S. auto safety regulators have opened a probe into nearly 2 million Ford Explorer large crossovers. That's after reports of the windshield trim panel detaching while driving at highway speeds. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration says it's received more than 160 complaints on 2011 through 2019 Explorers. No injuries, accidents, or deaths were listed in the report. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, the story about GM wanting to cut $2 billion in costs, that's not a small figure. They want to do it without layoffs. How, how can they achieve that? It looks like they're hoping for a significant amount of churn. You know, when uh, people leave a job and you don't replace them, um, you know, maybe after the get a UAW contract uh, this fall and a bunch of signing bonuses go out, some people will take those checks and go off to retirement. You know, GM's in this challenging transition, right, to electric vehicles. They're building all these battery plants and new EV plants, uh, but they still have, you know, engine plants and transmission plants that aren't really going to have a long-term future. So you want to try to get the workforce down to the right size and maybe consolidate plants at the optimal times to minimize the disruption on all the working people. We'll see how it shakes out. Coming up, Jamie caught up with Group One CEO Daryl Kenningham at the Automotive News Retail Forum, NADA, in Dallas last week. We'll hear part of that conversation next on Daily Drive. People care about their car buying experience, and so do we. Provide your customers with an unparalleled chat and digital retailing experience with Goobagoo. Goobagoo is the leader in conversational commerce for the automotive industry. Our fully managed live messaging services instantly connect consumers to dealers anytime and anywhere through live chat, text, video, and more. Integrated with our fully managed chat, Goobagoo's virtual retailing platform enables consumers to buy cars online directly from the dealership's website through multiple channels. We are constantly improving the retailing experience and currently have over 100 integrations with CRMs, DMSs, and third-party applications. Goobagoo transforms the traditional car buying process into a modern, transparent, and seamless experience. Available 24-7, 365, our highly trained chat specialists are there to help. See it for yourself at goobagoo.com. That's G-U-B-A-G-O-O dot com. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Jake Neer. Sales gains in all areas of its business propelled Group One Automotive to higher profits during the fourth quarter. That's as the Houston-based public dealership giant continued acquiring smaller rivals. Group One reported net income of almost $160 million in the fourth quarter, up 80%. Revenue rose 17% to $4 billion. I caught up with Group One's new CEO at the Automotive News Retail Forum NADA in Dallas last week. 
Daryl Cunningham told me that growth through acquisition will continue to be a key strategy for the retailer in 2023. Here's a piece of our conversation. You've had a, a lot of acquisitions mm -hmm. that uh, helped spur a lot of that growth. Correct. Uh, but you still are uh, in the market? We are. Yeah, we are. We would, that's the best use of capital for us. Uh, we're fortunate we've had two good profit years in a row. And uh, so we're, we're able to to uh, use some of that cash for, uh, for acquisitions. And we've bought a lot of our stock back over the last year. And uh, we uh, have done, uh, acquired about $3 billion in revenue in the last 15 months. And uh, our intention is to continue to acquire, continue to grow. Um, and uh, so we're, we're, uh, we're continually looking for those opportunities for sure. Do you think you'll keep growing at the same pace? You know, um, it's hard to say. Um, it's hard to say. You have to balance your capital allocation priorities uh, and the cost of the debt to do that or uh, the opportunities in the equity market to do that. And uh, uh, it's, it's sometimes it's just opportunistic. What's out there? We were able to buy a really big group um, year 14 months ago in New England. It was uh, 29 dealerships. Uh, and those don't come on the market every day, you know. So if another one came up like that, we'd certainly love it. But uh, we don't have anything like that we're looking at uh, today. But th you never know when, when one will pop up. Sometimes it changes day-to-day -day basis. So. <laughs> has the higher interest rate changed the cost of capital for making acquisitions? Yeah, no, it sure has. Um, and, uh, you know, you have to be careful because you're paying, uh, you know, with, with uh, the, your cost of money, uh, creates a different return uh, model that uh, you have to be cognizant of, and, and we are. And uh, uh, we're seeing the valuation soften a little bit, I think, as a result. And I think some of the sellers realize that. And um, it's, not, it's not on a, a steep glide down, but it certainly it seems to be a, a softer and expectations seem to be a little more reasonable. Kind of big picture, and again, turning to one of your uh, comments yesterday, you said, uh, we expect a gradual decline in new vehicle margins over the course of 2023 as inventory continues to recover. We do, however, expect normalized new vehicle margins to eventually settle above our pre-pandemic levels. Yes. What gives you the confidence that what have you changed or what has changed in the market that makes you feel that that's how it's going to work? I think the OEMs like the model uh, of less inventory in the distribution channel. I think a lot of them realize that they don't have to stuff their dealer networks full of inventory to be successful. And uh, they were able to cake out a lot of cost. You saw their profits were really good um, in the last year especially. And so I think a lot of the OEMs have refocused their own targets on what uh, you know optimal day supply is. Uh, and it's not just more is better. And because that can create a lot of cost for everybody, a lot of pressure, uh, and it's bad for customers. I mean, when you put that much pressure in the channel on inventory, you know, you have to, that, that can create a very uh, a caustic relationship with customers over negotiations and things like that. So I think the OEMs learned an awful lot during that period, and I think um, hopefully uh, they, will, they will apply those lessons moving forward. At least that's what they're saying, and, and I, believe, I believe most of them will. I believe they want to. Yeah. Right. Uh, but, you know, it only takes one or two, uh, yeah. you know. Neat, There's neat, one uh, right now that's teetering. We're, we keep watching it. And <laughs> some incentives are creeping up. Yeah. I mean, and, and because it, 
this is why I'm so skeptical. Aside from that, we've had these you know 30 brands that have beaten each other's brains out, right. and that's why we how we got ourselves in the position we were in before with right. so much inventory, big incentives, just routinely, you know, right. two, three, you know, four digits with a crooked number in front. Yeah. Um, but now we have these new entrants. And yeah, they're mostly in the still small EV space, but you know, Tesla slashing prices puts a lot of pressure on everybody sure. in luxury and sure. as well as electric. We'll see how it turns out. I no, hope, you're, right. you're right. You're right. Do they have the discipline to keep it? They still have factories they need to fill up. And uh, that's a reality. You're exactly right. So we'll see, uh, we'll see how that turns out. But anything in, else in the operation? I mean, that's, that's a good systemic industry-wide hope for, for progress. Right. Have you done things with digital retail or in other, other aspects of the business? Well, you know, there's certainly things that we've done um, to try to take uh, cost out of our business, put more productivity into it. Uh, when, you, when you look at our digital re retailing uh, platform, which uh, is Accelerate, and we um, have tried to digitize as much of the, of the sales process as possible uh, for customers to buy a car or to sell a car to us. And uh, we don't try to force any customer through that at all. It's strictly up to them. And we don't try to take them through some lockstep uh, process where they have to follow it uh, based on what we want. It's based on how they want to because, you know, that's how they shop for cars when they walk into your dealerships, right? They, some of them come in and want to talk about their trades. Some of them want to come in and, and pick a car and want to know what their payment is. And, and we understand that, and we try to set up Acceleride to do exactly that. And then uh, right now, 75% of our customers that do business with us are using Acceleride in some way. And now some of them are, are using it to purchase a car all the way through. And some of them are using it to upload driver's license information, insurance information, uh, do a, a credit application. So it's things they can do from home that they don't have to do in the dealership. And it doesn't take any time. Some of them are uploading photos for their trade. And then they're even taking, uh, we, can, we can sell them the money for their trade if they'd like. And uh, some are doing that. So there's parts of the transaction that we've been able to digitize that customers uh, continue to respond. We're at 75% of our customers uh, using Accelerate in some way today, and that goes up almost every month. And so, uh, you know, what customers are telling us is, is, I like doing business this way, and we want to continue to enable that, and not just in sales, but in service too, whether it's how they're, uh, they're setting service appointments. So 36% of our customers use, you know, set their service appointments digitally, and I know a lot of you do that as well, and, and uh, pay for their service that way and we, you know, inspections are digital as well and we use video and there's very little paper that's changing hands anymore and that all takes waste out of this system and it all takes uh, time out of this system and I, I think as we, as an industry move forward, you know, we're in a five and a half percent margin business. I mean, it's, it's a, at the end of the day, it's five and a half percent net margin business. That's a really low margin business. So, you know, you have to find ways not only to make it easy for your customers, but you have to find ways to go take cost out of your business because at the end of the day, that's not a lot of room to maneuver and it takes every one of your departments to work exceedingly well to produce just 5.5% margin. That's nothing like what technology companies have or some consumer goods companies have. You know, they're operating on double, triple, quadruple the margins that we are. 
as an industry. So, you know, a tenth of a point here and a tenth of a point there, uh, that matters an awful lot. Now, the last couple of years, we haven't had to worry about that because everything is great because the grosses are high and we all think we're geniuses and we're brilliant, right? <laughs> but we're not, you know? I mean, the day is coming where that stuff's going to come out. We're going to get back to how do, we, how do we manage this business at a five and a half point um, margin and do it successfully? And so uh, that's, the, that's the thing. And, you know, we've, we've, uh, we've tried to put it in places. We've tried to implement things in, in different places that, uh, you know, don't affect customers in, in a way that would uh, be negative to them. But, like, you know, when we have invoices that come into us from the OEMs, you know, we use robotic process automation to process thousands of invoices without people actually touching it. And that might be, you know, 10 basis points of, of cost that we're able to take out of our process by doing that. And, you know, we use artificial intelligence to send customers service reminders by text so they can schedule it and it goes right into our service schedulers. And so that's, that's, a, that's phone calls you don't have to make. That's people that don't have to manage that process. And, you know, customer, we want to always give the customer a, a vote in that. We don't want to try to, plenty of you have called DirecTV to try to get service, right? And you're in, right? You're in a hate loop trying to figure out how do I get out of this, right? We don't ever want to be in that position. We want to give a customer an option. If they don't want to, if they don't want to do it that way with, with uh, you know, taking a, 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 a text reminder on a service appointment and scheduling it themselves on their phone, that's fine. You know, we can call them or they can call us or they can come visit a dealership. That's fine. We're not going to force them into it. But you got to find ways, I believe, to take those kinds of costs out of your business because I think our industry you know, it's such a low margin uh, business and low margin industry, you've got to be able to do that so you can keep providing high value at the point of contact for customers. You really do. That's, that's what I believe. It's really interesting, not only that it was such a large number, I think three out of four is uh, pretty, pretty right. much a preponderance, but right. that it's growing even as, you know, COVID is kind of waning. Yeah. You know, the, the impact of COVID on people's activities there's still more of them want to do at least some of their shopping online. Right. It sounds like you, and you're really talking about not a lot of people. How many of them go all the way through? 15%. 15% yeah. get a card delivered to them or they just come some to Some get delivery, some don't. That's people that start on Acceleride and then they buy a car. It's 15%. So it's, um, you know, there's still a lot of people that prefer to come into the dealership for, for a lot of their transaction. They want to obviously, and you all know this, they want to, look at the car or they want to, you know, meet who they're doing business with or they don't really want to load their information into a, a computer, even though it's safer to do that than it is to fill out a credit <laughs> app in a showroom, you know. But that still happens and you got to accommodate that. Daryl Kenningham is CEO of Group One Automotive. We spoke at the Automotive News Retail Forum, NADA, in Dallas last week. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Jake Neer, in for Kellen Walker. Thanks to our own Lindsey Van Hulley, Nathan Eddy, Hans Grimel, Audrey LaForest, and Mark Holmer for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on auto retail, earnings results, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for my conversation with Visionary Automotive Group CEO Larry Van Tile. If you enjoyed the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.